This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Monday, June 18th. This is episode 211. I am Dan Ellis. It's been a busy, busy time around lately. What have you been doing, Ryan? Uh, hi. Hi. I started working on my basement bar. On your basement? Oh, yeah. I saw you. Yeah. I forgot. I didn't send you home with my fucking nail gun last week. Yeah, it's... I just took a hammer and bashed the shit out of it. Yeah? Just the one bar? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It looks nice. Yeah. It's Is it coming. all done? Or no. No. No, I got a buddy that's building a window insert for me so I can actually have a bottle rack like in what will used to have been be have been a window. Oh nice. So then I'm probably gonna try to age the cabinets and I might do a copper countertop. Copper countertop. Fake copper. Yeah. I can't afford to just cover the whole thing in copper. How do you do a fake count copper countertop? Paint. Oh. Just paint the countertop? Yep. And then seal it with, with the epoxy? Uh, oh, okay. I got you. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. It looks so be fun. It's looking good. Going for the Prohibition era look. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Nice. As you can see by the suit, I think I saw you that was wearing that photo. <laughs> yeah. When you were mixing. Do you have a shaker? Oh, yeah. I got like Because you were stirring that fucking drink for a long time. Like, you well, could just shake the, that shit. That one was supposed to be stirred. Oh, uh, yeah? That yeah, was a stirred drink, not a shake. Stirred, not shaken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And in studio with us tonight, we have Sarah. Hello. How are you? Good. Excellent. We we brought Sarah in to talk to us about what it's like to be a reporter in the age of Trump, because he's a turd and it makes things difficult. And and you have a a background of doing journalistic things. Yep. Background. <laughs> da, da, da. So what did you do over the last week? Uh, I drank fancy martinis, spoiled my dog, applied for a ton of jobs. Yeah. And, oh, I've been editing a video um, for a friend who is at, uh, she's an AmeriCorps at, um, the, did you see that? <laughs> Good use of the cough button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a friend who's uh, currently working at the Utah uh, Health and Human Rights nonprofit in Salt Lake City. They deal with refugees that are um, survivors of torture. Uh, so they haven't done a video before. Um, and they have a fundraiser coming up on the 25th. So she asked if I would help them out with that. And I was like, I've got plenty of time right now. <laughs> that would be, I would love to. As a matter of fact, I'm looking for something to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah, I um, interviewed one of their main people, and then I spoke to three refugees. Um, one of them was a woman from uh, the Congo uh, that fled to R Rwanda. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that and that's been about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
fun stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I read books. I haven't done that in forever. So I have a, I have an ever increasing pile of books that I need to read. Yeah, me too. And I just have not had the time, man. All you got to do is get laid off and you'll have all the time to read all the pile of books. <laughs> I think I would prefer that my stack of books keeps <laughs> piling up. <laughs> but you should definitely check out Educated. That's the one I just finished. Um, but a um, real story about a young woman who grew up in in Idaho in kind of this mountain area with kind of a fundamentalist family, not quite LDS. They're kind of off on their own crazy branch. Um, and just what it was like. <laughs> it wasn't an offshoot of the LDS faith? It or? was more that her, her dad probably had mental health problems. Uh. Um, she thought bipolar later on when she learned more about um, mental health concerns. But Just like all good sect leaders. Yeah. But no, it's good. You can hmm. borrow it if you want. It'll it would just end up in the pile on my <laughs> yeah. on my nightstand. Seriously, I think I have four four actual books and then a bunch of shit on my Kindle that I'm still going through. Uh yeah, I, I have books that I have not that I have yet to finish because I'll start reading something because we've got a guest coming on the show or whatever, and then I and I love the book and I get yeah. like you know, three quarters of the way through it, and then I have to move on to other things. And I, I want to finish these books that I've got, like four or five books, three quarters of the way finished. Haven't I, completed them yet. I tried the free trial of Audacity. Uh uh-huh. Didn't like it. Oh yeah. I haven't ever listened to an audio. Yeah, that's well, the no, problem. It's like actually, it's, it's no, all up to Aud- who's reading the audio book. I like I got Audible. A co- Audible, yeah. yeah Audacity, Audacity is, the is what we're free recording. Audio. <laughs> yeah. We're recording on Audacity right now. We like Audacity. Satan. It's Audible. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, yeah the, just the voice like of the people that were reading the two books I had read I had on there made me want to fall the fuck asleep. Huh. Like they were not enthusiastic or any it's like just a monotone reading of the book. I'm like, this sucks. So I, I just said that I have never listened to an audiobook, and that's a goddamned lie. <laughs> I've listened to all of the Harry Potters on okay. uh, as audiobooks because the guy who does the reading for it is fucking awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. That would be cool. His yeah, name he'd is have Jim to Dale. Be. Yeah. His name is Jim Dale, and he does, like, voices for all of the characters. Oh, okay. and, yeah, See, that would be interesting, then. It's really good. He's really, really good. Um, and then I also listened to – fuck, what's that show that was on Stars for a little bit uh, of – Gods and something. American Gods? American Gods, yeah. I listened to that on an audiobook. That was really good. I still have to watch the show and read the book. The The show was good. The book was much better. And the show, I think, has been canceled. Oh. No, I thought it had a second season coming up. Really? I think it's been canceled, yeah. Bummer. Hmm. Or that maybe it wasn't. I can't remember if it was canceled or the some of the big name people are like, no, I'm not going to do it. So. Bart Ehrman's really good at reading his own books. Is he? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing, to too, is that a lot of people write these great books and then it's not them reading it, it's somebody else. So yeah. That just seems weird to me. That's, I think that makes a difference if the person reading it is... Wait, that does seem weird to you? Yeah. I mean, unless it's, you know... Because I was going to say, J.K. Like, Rowling didn't, or Rowling or whatever, didn't write right, those books. Right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean... Because there was someone far better to do it for her. But that was somebody, like, acting acting yeah. out the book, basically. Mm-hmm. But if you're just writing a nonfiction book and then have somebody else read it, it seems... Like, would you really want to read books with Stephen King reading them? Maybe. He doesn't seem like he's very energetic. 
Sam Harris does How his do own books. Know? Yeah. And they're fine. That's actually the next book I'm trying to read because I've owned it forever is The Moral Landscape. I have that one and have not yet read it. It's one of those <laughs> books that just keeps piling up. Ditto. <laughs> um, what did I do? Oh, what did you guys do for Father's Day? I drew on my car. <laughs> Drank martinis. Ah, I got to go to my dad's house. Kid. I got to go to my dad's house. <laughs> did you want to you go? Like, you like the enthusiastic? <laughs> uh, I got to go there. Yay. It, it was all right. Um, I I was reminded though that my sweet little sweet little LDS grandmother is very racist. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're sitting around the table and it's me and my kids and my dad and my grandmother and I can't remember what got us talking. Oh, it was because my daughter worked at Starbucks for a little while, and my grand and now she's not. She's working somewhere else. And my grandmother asked her, "Oh." Were you working at Starbucks when that whole thing happened with the black guys in the in the Starbucks? And my daughter said, no, I wasn't. And if I had still been working there, I would have quit after that. Not only for what happened, but the company's response to it. And so my my dad, I think, said, well, what are you talking about? And my grandma said, oh, well. You know, there were these black guys that hadn't even bought anything and they're just loitering. They're sitting in the Starbucks and then the, then the manager asked them to leave and they wouldn't. And so they had to call the police and there was this whole big thing. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but that's not what happened. And so I explained to her, you know, they were waiting for a friend. They hadn't yet purchased anything, but Starbucks policy is that you can just go in there and hang out. Yeah. Like, you can literally go in and use their internet. Yeah, you don't have to buy anything. You can just go in there and hang out. That's that's their policy. You don't it's have a to purchase house. anything. Yeah. And so I told my grandma, you know, that they were waiting for a friend. And one guy had asked to use the restroom and was told that he couldn't. And, and because they hadn't bought anything or whatever. Yeah. And then that a white guy came in after them, just right off the street, walked up to the counter, said, hey, can I use the bathroom? They gave him the key. He went in there. The did his business. The guy who had previously asked for the key, you know, spoke to him after he came out and said, Hey, do you mind if I ask you a question? You know, you just walked out of the restroom. Did you purchase anything? And the guy said, No. And he said, And you just walked up to the counter and asked for the key and they gave it to you. And he said, Yes. And I said, And so that's what happened. It's that, uh, you know, black guys who have been sitting there and asked for the key are denied, but a white guy comes walking in yeah. and they give him the key without any problem. I said, That's what happened. That, that was the bad thing. My grandma's like, oh, I didn't know. Well, like, yeah, no. because you'll watch Fox News probably. Well, and, but it was just the way she said, oh, and it was, you know, these black guys yeah. wanted to use the bathroom and they wouldn't let them. And so, you know how that's going to go. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, just because they're they're black. and Like, how dare a black person feel entitled to use a bathroom? <laughs> and then you just know that they're going to complain about it later <sighs> when they weren't able to. They're those people. <laughs> Not the right kind of paper in there. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, well, and it's doubly weird because my daughter's boyfriend is black. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I <laughs> I was telling Tracy about the story about it last night when I got home. And she's like, wait, has your grandmother met Gerald? <laughs> that's, my, that's my daughter's <laughs> boyfriend. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh... do you think she just kind of forgot for a second? And I'm like, I don't know. But she, she stopped along that line pretty quickly when I was like, no, that, that's not how it happens. I think she caught herself being racist. I, I wonder what she said about your daughter's 
boyfriend behind your guys' back. <laughs> Probably not the most kind things. <laughs> and I'm sure my dad has been like, oh, I'm sure my dad, oh, yes, her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible visit. We sat around, played cards, and chatted for a while. For those in the audience who don't know, my, my father is uh, has decided that he's LDS again now. Is, is he born again LDS? Pretty much. Goes to church every Sunday. Like, I couldn't go over to his house yesterday until 2 because oh. he had church. Um, So I asked if there was anything to bring. He said I could bring rolls. And I also took a little cooler of beer for myself. And I knew, I knew that it would bother both him and my grandmother. But it's like, it's Father's Day. It's also Father's Day for me. Yeah. So and you're a fucking adult. Yeah. And I'm 44. I keep forgetting that I'm 44 now. I keep thinking I'm 43. But I'm 44 <laughs> years old. I can fucking take a beer. Yeah. And, and just. So I walk in with the cooler and I see my dad glance at it and gra- glance at my grandmother. And then she glances at me and glances at the cooler and glances <laughs> at my dad. And I set it down and we're just chit-chatting, whatever. And my dad asks the kids if they want anything. and they got their sodas and then I walked over to my cooler and I pulled out a beer. And again, there's this exchange of glances between my grandmother and my dad. And then they disappear into another room for a little while. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, man, throw the fuck up. But then she also, my grandmother also mentioned something about, you know, I can't even remember who we were talking about different celebrities. She's like, Oh, she was mentioning Amy Schumer because she just saw, oh. I think I'm pretty or something like that. Her, one she of her probably didn't talk movies. about Amy Schumer in a very good light. She liked she liked the movie, but she also had to throw in there that she doesn't really like how often she swears in her stand-up and stuff like that. And I'm like, Grandma, we need to have a talk. <laughs> I'm like, I swear all the time. Well, not around me so much. And I'm like, like well. The fuck I don't. <laughs> There were there were a bunch of different times while I was just having conversation. It if just, it was just with my grandma or just with my dad or, or either of them, it's not very hard to not swear. Like, it, yeah. it's just kind of an ingrained thing. But then I get talking to my kids and it's like, oh, yeah, and this freaking guy <laughs> did this thing and I was so p- mad. <laughs> nah, it was all right. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to talk to Sarah lots more about Yay. journalism and stuff. and. How all that goes. We'll we'll do that when we get back from our little break. Hey gang, this is Jack Materko from For Infernal Use Only and the Naked Diner Podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. What is more likely that the laws of nature have been suspended in your favor and in a way that you approve, or that you've made a mistake? And in each case you must and especially if you didn't see it yourself and you're hearing it from someone who says that they did. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. So we have Sarah in studio with us. Um, who? Well, let's let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you are an atheist. Yes. Yay! Yay one, of, one of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, where you did you grow up religious or have you grown up secular? Uh, kind of. I mean, uh, kind of religious or kind of atheist. Oh, no, definitely kind of religious. Yeah. Like religious adjacent sort of. It's, yeah. uh, you know, my dad, uh, was army for 20 years. So we moved all over the place. You know, my memories are church are rare. 
I um, actually found an old Sunday school certificate from Camp Zama, Japan. I went through some albums looking for a Father's Day photo to post on Facebook and Instagram and saw that and thought it was funny because I didn't remember that. But yeah, we went to church for a little bit, but I felt like it was more of a social thing, you know, being American, being in a different country away from family. Um, you was know, it a non-denominational church or? No, I mean, it was definitely, you know, are we saying the hymnals, we hold, held the Bible. We, you know, I t- took communion. Um, so, but was it, do you know if it was Catholic or? Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Oh, huh. I think one of them grew up more Lutheran, but also kind of loosely. We didn't say grace, um, you know, before every meal. We had. So they were um, like Lutherans. Uh. (laughs) we you know we had christmas traditions we would go to church on easter or whatever with the the palm palm leaves oh yeah the palm fronds that thing um and yeah i remember going to church for a little bit and you know sneaking a donut in the little area after the ceremony but it was definitely more kind of a social thing just to be part of the community um and when we came back to the states just kind of slowly faded um we didn't really go to church anymore especially when we moved to idaho um idaho falls Hmm. um and i was there for junior high and high school and middle school that was hell um (laughs) shout out to rexburg but (laughs) um yeah it just you know we tried it a couple more times but i just seemed like my parents just weren't quite feeling it um and that was kind of it uh, we still had the Christmas traditions. You know, religion just wasn't really something we talked about. It would slip out every now and again. But um, after the military, my dad taught high school. So uh, mythology, English, ceramics, arts, American history, they let them do that once. <laughs> 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 then they're like, you can't teach American history anymore? Basically, yeah. Why? What did he do? Uh, he asked them to question things. Oh, no. Uh... <gasps> Mormons questioning things are not good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and mom was a kindergarten, first grade teacher. So I, you know, I grew up with educators. Um, but yeah, it was never, it was just sort of there. Like I, I thought about it sometimes and I was really into philosophy for a while. I still kind of am, but I'm not as knowledgeable as I used to be. So did you guys at, at home, did you do any religious practices? I mean, did you pray over meals or anything like that? No. Have I mean, when family we- Family prayer or anything? No, not really. Um, I mean, the the thing that we picked up from Japan was for my dad to go ikidakimasu, which just meant let's eat in Japanese. He, <laughs> he loved he loved doing that before dinner. It was fun. Like, But no, we didn't. The only times I can remember vaguely, you know, saying grace was when we would every now and then go to Minnesota where my fam my mom's family is. And they're um more, you know, prone to religion than, you know, we were really. That's the Lutheran side? I think so. Yeah. Mm, that would make sense. Um so that was about it really. I had um one serious boyfriend in the Marine Corps that was like hands above your head. Praising God. Oy. That didn't last. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was a God warrior. Yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just didn't, it wasn't something I really thought much about. And then it was something I sort of 
would see things that would uh, bother me, how, you know, people would use, some individuals would use religion to treat others, you know, badly, which would make me, make me look up things in there, you know, in the Bible or whatever, like, well, this seems like bullshit. Why would, that doesn't make sense. And so I just, I think I was atheist without really labeling myself. I didn't put much thought into it. And then, you know, I got to the point where, you know, in Indiana, and then when I came to Utah, um, I think when you're up against something that is so very different from from your beliefs and is very out in the open and um, causing, or what am I trying to say, um, oppressing society in different ways or affecting you know groups of people, whether they're minority for you know their beliefs or their sexuality or or race or gender. You know, you kind of that kind of makes you want to stand up a little bit taller and be like, I'm different from that and there's nothing wrong mm. with that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a really big counterculture here in Utah. And I think oh, yeah. a lot of that is because of the LDS church. And there there are a lot of things that non LDS people here in Utah do as as a signal for other people to let them know that they are not LDS. I I know several people who have. I was just looking at your tattoos on your arm, <laughs> and it reminded me that during the last uh, Atheists of Utah coffee chat, I was talking to uh, my friend Tony, who has who has several tattoos, and it got us talking about the subject of there are a, a list of things that people here in Utah who are not LDS do as a signal to the to other people who may not be LDS that hey I'm not a Mormon so you can come and talk to me and it's you mm-hmm. know having uh, visible tattoos, showing bare shoulders, uh, swearing, drinking alcohol. Fuck yeah. Um, do, <laughs> doing yard work on Sunday was another one. Like there's all of these little things that people who aren't members of the mm-hmm. predominant faith here do as signals to others in the, in the vicinity that, Hey, I'm, I'm not one of the morgue. And that's you can, weird. You can come and talk to me. So I've never thought about that because I will sometimes intentionally mow my lawn on Sundays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. That's typically the day that I do yard work is Sunday. I'm like, so everyone else is knows. making all the noise on Friday night and on Saturday. But Sunday, the neighborhood's quiet. I'm like, I'm going to go fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was definitely surprised when I came to Ogden and I, you know, I walked around and I saw all these tattoos and I was just like, my people, you know, I didn't, because my only um, real experiences with, with, you know, the LDS community was in Idaho Falls and it was, you know, high school and I had some friends who were LDS some friends that identified as Jack Mormon. Um, you know, I, I, I saw the spectrum of different people with different beliefs and different levels of, I don't know, assholiness. Um, so it's, and it's really, it's the same. Ogden is a lot um, better. I think at that there's a more of a mix. It seems like of people, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons I really like it here actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one of the other things was smoking. That was, that was one of the reasons that I actually started smoking. Way back oh, in no. the day was, <laughs> So that I could stand out as not be, being obviously not Mormon because but, that was something that I could do in the car or at work or mm-hmm. at the house or wherever that everybody could see, oh, that guy must not be a Mormon. But even that sometimes the missionaries don't get the hint that you really want nothing to do with their religion. <laughs> when I can have a satanic temple t-shirt on, 
full tattoos, the you know, most that's the way I got it, and they still want to come preach to me. I'm like, dude. See, I kind of like talking to them. Do you not see how I'm dressed right now? Even. <laughs> yeah, you're a prize, man. Yeah, you're a challenge. <laughs> you're 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 the. Yeah, they're not gonna win. You're the one that they would write back home to mom and dad about. Yeah. We, well, we had Jehovah's Witnesses stop by the house the other day, and I didn't even know they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I had Until missionaries they, that one time you were. Yeah, when I was at work, but yeah, they left a pamphlet and said, "Hey, if you want to come, we're doing a thing at this this event center." Uh, it's free. No, there's not going to be a basket passed around or anything. Like there is going to be some religious stuff. If that bothers you, I don't know. And they just hand me a pamphlet and left. Hmm. And I didn't realize they're Jehovah's. <laughs> yeah, until like, I took a look at the piece of paper. Yeah. I'm like, this says Jehovah Watchtower on it. Oh, um, <laughs> like, oh shit. Well, you're like, you had me until you said there's going to be some religious stuff. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just, you should have led with that and you wouldn't have wasted any of our time, really. Yeah, it was about 15 seconds worth of time they wasted because yeah. it was pretty quick. I mean, I, I I had the missionaries in the house for like a good 10, 15 minutes. I just, you know. Was it just you? Yeah. And they came in? Yeah. They're not supposed to. I was at to. work. They're not supposed to. Uh, if there's if there's a single. Oh, really? Yeah. Single woman, they're not supposed to. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's a naughty. They... That's that's a very bad. It was that's probably, a big bad deal. Yeah. It was probably also 98 degrees outside yeah. that day and Yeah. Like I I told them they could come in, I opened up the blinds so they wouldn't feel all skittish and <laughs> like offered them some water and they just like talked at me for a little bit and I just do what I usually do is just be nice and polite and tell them straight up I'm atheist. I don't really, you know, that's great that you guys have something that you believe in or feel that strongly <laughs> about, but I'm good. Yeah. And it just kind of confuses them. Next time, take them into the basement where it's cooler, out of the heat, and there's just like a whole bunch of bottles of alcohol down there. Just make them a drink. Start sharpening knives. <laughs> Come into the basement. I have some knives I need to sharpen. I we just can talk about it there. figure that if any one of them is even considering, um, or if they have that uh, stereotype of atheists or bad people, and I just... I'm nice as I usually am to complete strangers. Most who don't like proselytize at me, you know, they're kind of might make them stop and think for just a second. That you can be a nice person without believing in exactly Jesus or Thor. Most of these kids are baby faced little, like I can't be a jerk to them. If they're not an asshole to me, I won't be an asshole to them. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any reason that people should be overtly mean to Mm -hmm. these, you know, 19 year old kids who, have been brainwashed away from home and are bra- have yeah have been brainwashed their entire lives and indoctrinated into this and yeah. think that they know better than everybody else and and probably have never had a positive interaction with an atheist or somebody of no belief mm-hmm. but that's the that's the flip side of that same coin right that you have 18 or 19 year old kids walking up to you on your own fucking property yeah. insulting yeah. you by saying they know better than all the time and effort we've put into researching stuff. And I don't think a little bit of, hey, this is fucking bullshit is going to be really that bad for them either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm talking about people who like, yeah, I saw some missionaries on, on the road and I threw a drink at them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never the only do that. Button, no, yeah. no. The only button I pushed because he kept pushing me is like, well, you know, have you ever picked up the, do you need it? I'm like, no, we got a copy. It's right over there. Hmm. Like, but have you ever really, have you really looked at it? Have you ever like really read it and, and, you know, thought on it and, you know, prayed? Like, yeah, I got really high one. I just stared at it. (laughs) And I just, you know, said, well, you know, I don't really pray because atheist. But, um, you know, the one thing that always stood out to me was the fact that there's absolutely no archaeological proof 
of what the book talks about, you know, happening or, in or the Americas. <laughs> well, I just, and, and I just a lot threw the, one thing out there to see what he did. And uh, he got defensive and like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and a lot of the claims in the book are demonstrably false. Yeah. Like they're just like, it can't have happened that way. Like talking about riding horses and mm-hmm. steel, well, I mean, yeah, having steel swords the... and these great battles where millions of people died. And it, like, it just, that didn't happen. And it, I mean, nope. there is, I think, the department at BYU backing up that this is not, there's nothing to show this. Yeah. That's like your school. <laughs> it's named after one of your guys. And they're saying like, uh, not really. Yeah, I I always try to be nice to the missionaries, and it's not until they try to get preachy or mm-hmm. super judgy with me that I'm like, look, man, we can talk all day about the weather and sports and whatever yeah. else, but don't don't try to pretend that you know more about your religion than I do, because I was formerly LDS and mm-hmm. have learned a lot more about it since then. I'm much older than you. I've taken a lot of time researching this as well as you know, a bunch of other religions. What do you know about Wahhabism? What do you know about Buddhism? You don't know jack shit about those. So you can't really say mm-hmm. that I need to investigate everything in the Book of Mormon and I, need to, and I need to do all of that to determine whether it's true when you haven't done that with any, any other, other religion yeah. at all. And then they're usually like, well, it's time for us to leave now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only ones <laughs> yeah. I've ever gotten like pissed off with and gotten confrontational with were Jehovah's Witnesses that came by my house once. Oh, yeah. Because they started going off on how DNA or science proves through the use of DNA that Jehovah's real. Uh, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) No, that's that's something else that really pisses me off is when they try to justify their religious claims by shoehorning science. Well, and it's bad science. Yeah. And it's like you 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 can't you you don't get to fucking do that like you can have your religion or you can have Mm -hmm. your science but you can't fucking mix the two really they're they're incompatible well Well, the thing that's shitty about it is because they shit all over science and when it doesn't fit yeah and then they turn around and try to add credibility to their story by by using it in an improper way when they think it suits yeah that's fucking bullshit yeah and i think the way they're trying they're they're phrasing it was going with the structure of dna is so unique they're going with like the the watchmaker type thing like it had to have been created there's no way like you just can't evolve this like it doesn't that doesn't happen you need this to start with the dna strands your your all your chromosomes and everything and i'm like no because you got like rna and then all the proteins and all the other stuff that creates like the RNA that became DNA can exist all on its own. So nothing says that they couldn't have formed. An well, yeah, and if and if your designer makes these really complicated things that work so well, then why are there such horrific, terrible design yeah, flaws yeah. all the fucking time? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, and not why just, do my balls stick to my thighs? <laughs> well. <laughs> And I'm 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 not even talking about just like things like horrible birth defects or anything like that, but just even a normal healthy human being, oh, how yeah. poorly we're designed for shit. Where all of our major organs are exposed when we're standing. Yeah. Um you know, we we breathe through the same hole that we have to take food, food and in. water into. Our entertainment center is right next to a sewage complex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. All, of, <laughs> all of that is just really fucking terrible design. Our, yeah. our, our blood vessels are designed to be clogged up 
that there's a, there's a light spectrum that is, you know, this wide and we can see like this tiny yeah. narrow band of, of mm-hmm. the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, even our vision well, compared to other animals are. Some are... of us can see a little bit wider. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> he say, really hated me. I don't know about tiny, <laughs> but. He's like, I know this guy's going to grow up to be an atheist. <laughs> I'll make him fucking colorblind. And redhead. <laughs> Yeah. That way, nobody will like him, and he won't be even to see able to see why. He's going to start without a soul. Yeah. yeah, he won't even know what color his hair is. Uh-huh. Why are they making fun of me? <laughs> so you you grow up sort of religious ish, yeah. a little bit, tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what what led you to finally say no? I'm an atheist. I think it was just. A little bit because when I was in South Carolina, I had a friend who um, we just were talking about uh, religion one night. I don't remember why she brought. No, nope, no, I never mind. I do. She <laughs> had a boyfriend, now husband, who you know came up from a religious background, and um, he didn't mind that you know they had different beliefs. But she was talking about it with me and was like, "Oh, actually, you know, I'm don't believe in God or any of that stuff either." And you know. And, said the word atheist, I think, the first time talking to her that night. And that was a couple of years ago. Um, so then it was just one friend after that I'd talked to a little bit. But yeah, like I said, it was just wasn't something I was really vocal about. I just didn't see the reason at that time. And then, you know, when I came to Utah uh, yeah. from Indiana. <laughs> Culture shock. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, you know, I didn't mind talking about it. And then. There was an assignment that, um, while I was working at the Standard Examiner, that took me to um, take photos um, of Unday School at Grounds for Coffee in 25th and Ogden. Mm. Uh, and that's when I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, people get together and, you know, that either are a complete atheist or kind of just checking it out. You know, that's really awesome. I never thought about that. It kind of made, remind, reminded me of this book, Socrates Cafe, except, you know, as people identifying as atheists. Then I found out, you know, there's atheists of Utah. I'm like, wait, we're organized. <laughs> <laughs> you can join a club. Well, we try to be yeah, a but, little bit know, organized. <laughs> like I, I just barely started checking out like the Thinking Atheist podcast, and mm. you know, I'd all, I'd read Christopher Hitchens before, but I hadn't really delved into you know that community. Um, so it wasn't until I got here that I, you know, did the Unday School assignment, and then I went back a couple of times just on my own time and. Met this one. And I think about the, I think before this then, guy right here. Yeah, that guy right yeah. here. <laughs> and I think it was actually before that, uh, I'd started listening to your podcast because I think it was Tim Jacobson told yep. me about it we love at Tim, an yeah. school. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. So you, so you were stalking me. It was, it was not stalking. <laughs> it was weirdly like around the same time. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice sounds, sounds really familiar. <laughs> no, you brought it up first, actually. I'm did like, I? oh, yeah. I don't remember. But it, it's all did, blurred did he, did he walk up to you and he's like, hey, I got this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, you no, might have heard me on the you might have heard me on the squawk box. Probably. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm kind of what you call famous. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I got a Nissan. The, the important thing is that I thought it was really cool that, you know, their AOU was a thing and mm-hmm. you know there's things you could do to to get involved in the community as you know while identifying as atheist so yeah nice. Here i am yay <laughs> so you moved around with your family a lot when you were younger mm-hmm. um what brought you to utah oh god there's, it's, there's <laughs> what's the best way to shorten this 
So, uh, um, no, I've, I've lived all over the country, first as an army brat, and then I actually went into the military for four years after high school in the Marine Corps. Um, moved around a bunch in that. Hoo-ha. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. not that, not hoo-ha. that I care. It's, it's, it's ura, but it's uh, all same difference. It's fine. Yeah. I knew that. I was just testing you. I <laughs> thought you were really in the Marine I thought now. a hoo-ha was something different. Uh, <laughs> we have those two, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, I was primarily in North Carolina, uh, for that and then went to school in Montana because I wanted, I missed my family and then went into journalism and then moved around a bunch again. Um, couple internships in Michigan and Detroit, um, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So did you go to school for journalism mm-hmm. spe- specifically? Yeah. Oh, University okay. of Montana. Um, no, it was cool being back. You know, I could drive to see my folks rather than every other, you know, year for a plane ride home from, you know, the East Coast. It was great to be that close. And mountains. Mountains were awesome. Um, And then I eventually made my way to South Carolina for five years. That was my first full-time uh, job as a journalist. I keep moving away from yeah, the mic. Yeah, you do. Sorry. <laughs> we'll Damn get you it. trained eventually. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I um, was in South Carolina, loved it down there, just the culture and history. And I mean, in my job, I, um, you know, I spend a lot of time talking and listening to different people with different backgrounds and different beliefs. And, you know, it's kind of one of the things I, I love about what I did at this point, but one of the reasons I went into it. Um, so, you know, I enjoy, you know, hearing where other people come from and, and why they think the way they think. You know, frankly, if we had more conversations and less yelling, maybe things mm-hmm. would be better. I yeah. don't know. That's the optimist coming out at me for like a split second. Now it's going to go away and die again. No, you're absolutely right <laughs> about that. The problem is only one side's willing. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah but the I, other side's willing to say this. The other side won't talk. Yeah, I was. I'm trying yeah. to remember. Oh, no, it was yesterday at my at my dad's. Um, We were talking about politics. And oddly enough, my my dad and my grandmother both just detest Donald Trump. They're they're both. I I still find Democrats that strange, even though I've too. never met either one of them. Yeah, I, well, I still find it a little. I heard strange. it's be- starting to become a a slow trend. The more and more people are disliking him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, with a lot of his recent actions, I I can't imagine why that would be. Um, far too slow. But we <laughs> we were talking about uh, and I wish I could remember the article that it was, but they they talked about. Um, the spheres of influence and the media that that people consume on the left mm-hmm. versus the right. Mm. Yeah, and they had this they had this cool scatter plot of I, I know what you're talking about. It, yeah, it was like there, you know, on the, like the left Fox hand, News versus CNN. Well, yeah, well, on the left hand side, it was you know all these all these points of mm-hmm. of Democrats and the media sources that they consume, and Breitbart, it was this, Bloomberg. It was it was like all of this stuff on the left, and then. Over on the right, it was this really densely, tightly packed yeah. little like red red blob, and it was just like Fox News, Breitbart, and there were like two or three things, and it was all super right wing, and there were a bunch of blue dots surrounding that that still consumed those mm-hmm. resources yeah. as well. But there were all you know, so the blue was like scattered all over the map, and the red was just this tightly packed little thing, like. They don't. They don't listen to anything that doesn't yeah. confirm what they want to believe. Yeah, exactly. It's and they don't want to go outside. Yeah, it's, they don't want to leave their comfort bubble. Nope. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it you know they they bitch and moan and complain all the time that nobody listens to them, but they're not listening to anybody else that doesn't already confirm what they yeah. want to believe. And the reason why people don't listen to them is because they don't have anything valuable to say because they aren't <laughs> educating themselves. Yeah, when they talk about stuff, they're bringing up. I mean, Fox News is like. 34% accurate, right? The things they report on. No, I thought, this it, was, is, I thought it was less than that. I know. No, but for, for real, 34% of the stuff that they say on Fox News is is legitimate news. They're not talking about those things, right? Because those are like little things that blow by on the ticker and you know oh, stuff yeah. that they're not paying attention to. So they're bringing up some of this 60% of stuff that isn't real. And they try to talk to the and Democrats are going, I don't even know what to say to this because- this isn't anywhere of yeah. all of the 12 news it, it, sources I've looked at. Yeah. It, when, yeah. They, when they start off a sentence with, with well, if I had and to the, guess. And then the conservative goes away. Well, Democrats are so uninformed. They don't even know this one thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That does happen all the fucking time. And it's so frustrating. Or they'll, they'll come at you with something that it's like, okay, well, you know, that's not true, right? No, it is. I saw yeah. it on the news. And it's like, yeah, but your news sources are fucking terrible. I attacked a lady on one of those today and you would have been proud of me. Did you jump on uh, her monkey style? Kind of. She she posted something out there in one of the things like, hey, I've done my research. I'm an attorney. Yeah, I'm a very yeah. educated woman and yeah. all this stuff. And she goes, and I did my research and vaccines are horrible. Look what Sweden did. <laughs> Sweden banned vaccines and did this and this. I looked it up. I'm like, okay, let's go see. And I'm like, well, this is from a blog that you're gi giving a link to. And I, and I had a Snopes it. Went mm -hmm. on there. It's like, oh, okay. So they didn't ban vaccines. There's... They still do it the same way they've always done it. And there was two bills that came up for mandatory vaccinations and they never, they didn't pass. So there's no, there's no ban. There just wasn't a law passed. And the reason why they didn't pass a law. There's no ban. They're just telling you that you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. And the reason why they said, why make it mandatory when 97% of the population gets vaccinated by the age of two anyways, like people are doing it on their own. And the small percentage that aren't probably have medical issues or a reason why they're not getting vaccinated. Mm. So, like, we're we're already a vaccinated country, so we don't really got to worry about yeah, forcing like what, people what to solution, do it. Like, what are we trying to fix here? It doesn't seem yeah. to be a problem. But she so. was putting it across saying, see, Sweden saw that vaccines were harmful and dangerous, and now they're not getting vaccinated anymore. It's like, no, actually, almost 100% of Sweden is vaccinated. That's why they don't have to make it mandatory. Mm. There's just... the. The problem is there's so many different layers of bullshit to get through that if you don't have strong critical thinking skills, you're going to miss it. I mean, you there's, you know, information now about how easy it is to um, twist scientific reports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then you have the different, you know, the 24 hour news cycle and the, um, you know, how the competition can. You know, that competitive BS can can lead to, you know, um, a decay in quality. Um, and you have just the, the wonderful Internet that, you know, if people want to just reinforce, kind of like what you mentioned earlier, reinforce what they already think. They have, you know, a plethora of options to, to do that. You know, I feel like in. Uh, oh, gosh, how can I organize my well, brain? Right I was going to say, like. I would I would include blogs into that too. I yeah. think because people start they people quote blog someone's personal blog all the time. It's like, well, that person just is sitting in their underwear playing Xbox, possibly and eating <laughs> Cheetos, and going, "I got a thought on this." I mean, I I feel like the I wish I'd looked this up before I came here, but 
you know, what's been happening to, to media over the past more than a decade, um, you know, look at how information used to be, you know, sent out to the public, uh, with, you know, more local based news organizations that knew more about what issues were important to that specific community. And as, you know, ad revenue has gone, you know, to shit, you know, more newsrooms have um, shrunk or, you know, news stations have shrunk or closed or been bought up by one of the big, you know, six media companies in the country. Like, Sinclair. Yeah. Well, not even Sinclair. We got Viacom, AT&T, mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, Fox. So, yeah. Um, Comcast. I'm missing the other ones. But point is, that's kind of even like a whole other shit show there. But, you know, without that local voice actually connected to the local communities, you know, they go up when they go to the national media that is more and more like, I feel like, you know, the country divided. Um, so mm-hmm. instead of getting that, um, objective view, you know, with it's where it's just verified information so that people can make an informed decision, they're, they're getting, you know, the blue version of the news or the red and it's not, you know, helping anybody, mm-hmm. but those small local newsrooms in you know, smaller rural areas can't support themselves, you know, like bigger companies can with, you know, digital, um, papers. It's strange too, that it seems like nobody really pays attention to local news yeah. or not that they don't pay attention. They pay much less attention mm-hmm. to local news than they do like national level stuff. And I guess we, you know, it, it, it's almost like it's being patterned after our election cycles where people make people everywhere make this big deal about who did you vote for for president? And that seems to be the only question, but it's like, mm-hmm. well, who did you vote for for the school board? Mm-hmm. Who, yeah. who did you vote for for your city council? Who did you vote for for your governor? These are the people who are affecting yeah. your life in a big way here locally. And nobody ever talks about that. It's always national level politics that, that seem to capture everybody's attention. Maybe it's because that is a way for people across distances to relate to each other a little bit more. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it seems. It seems strange to me that we don't pay more attention to what goes on in our local communities as we do to what happens nationally. I think when you're getting bombarded by, um, you know, the national news on Twitter, Facebook, you know, social across the social media board, um, then that just and on the, you know, TV stations, it just sort of sticks more. I think unless you're you understand what, you know, the county sheriff's race is going to do for your Mm -hmm. community or the school board or Mm. um you know you don't care um until it's too late Mm. so yeah Mm. so you've been living in utah for how long now uh yeah i got here october late october of 2015 so fair yeah almost three years yeah well that's good and you you were working at the standard examiner Mm -hmm. what were you doing there um, when I first got here, I was hired as the visuals editor. So I was in charge of the photo department, did that for about a year and then stepped down from that and went back to just being a photographer, videographer, reporter, web designer ish. 
Like I, I can't code worth a damn, but I can figure out WordPress. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can help by going, that would look pretty. Someone who can actually code, maybe do that. Can we do that? Do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So a little bit of everything, really, whatever I needed to do to, to do the job. And so what, what happened there? You're, mm-hmm. you're no longer with the no. standard examiner. What? What is going on in our local media, man? <laughs> I, th- I think you got Sinclair'd. Yeah, and uh, more like Sandusky'd. Uh, but so um, Ogden was. I'm owned, thinking okay. San- Sandusky'd. What? What is Sandusky, Sandusky News Group? It was uh, our former yeah. former well, owners. And I was saying you got Sinclair'd, like Sinclair, the very conservative newspaper that takes over or news channel people that take news over media corporation, yeah. other local news groups. Yeah. So was the paper purchased? Yeah. So we were owned by Sandusky. They're out of Ohio. And then we were bought by Ogden Publishing. Hilarious because, you know, Ogden, Utah, but they're in West Virginia. Oh, oh really? Shit. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they, they have small newspapers all over the country. I'm a little vague on that detail. Mm-hmm. I looked it up when they first, like the minute we all found out, like in the, the meeting that we have saying that this is happening, like we're journalists, we're on our phones, like Googling, like mm. who are these people? What's going to happen? Um, <laughs> I just own my Oh shit. Is this good news or bad news? <laughs> so yeah, we, um, and then within two weeks, um, a couple of us found out that we were going to be gone. So yeah, it sucked. Honestly, I've seen it, um, at every single newspaper I've worked at though. So. Not to say that I was happy about it, but I was kind of, I wasn't going to be surprised if I was bye-bye. Um, so it was me and there were five newsroom positions cut to get all together. There was 29, um, people laid off in the, in the building. But I mean, what was just, the, what was the original staff size before layoffs? <laughs> Well, before this round of layoffs, <laughs> yeah. have there been multiple rounds? Oh, yeah, after? going back years. I mean, yeah. I I was curious about because you know we had layoffs. The Trib, Salt Lake Tribune, yeah. lost like a third of their newsroom. This is a year after they won the Pulitzer. Yeah, just throwing that out there. Um, you know, and I looked it up because I was curious about you know Deseret. Same thing. Twenty sixteen, they had layoffs. It's just across the board as newsrooms try to figure out how to make money online, and it's not. The, the momentum of trying to find revenue in the digital world isn't keeping up with the amount, you know, the, the speed that ad revenue is tanking, mm-hmm. you know, so they're having to slim down and figure out how to do more with a lot less. So before they let the layoffs, we had, you know, newsroom of 20, 21, 22. Now it's down to 15, not counting editors. No, I think. Yeah. So really 13. Wow. Um, they're still looking for, uh, I would think they're still looking for an executive editor. I'm not sure, um, what's going on with the, cause yeah, it was myself, um, our data reporter, Sheila, who was awesome. Um, our, uh, another reporter who'd been there for a while, uh, Janae Francis. And then it was managing editor. Ann Krisnovich, ex- executive editor Greg Holland, and then our publisher, Brandon Erlocker. So the whole leadership team was gone. Wow, given the axe, eh? That's gotta be that's gotta be rough. What is it about 
newspapers that mm-hmm. that they're having to downsize. I mean, you talked about ad revenue. Yeah. Going, well, why is ad revenue drying up? Just, I mean, it's cost them more. And I, I'm going to guess they, they see it, it costs more to, to buy, you know, in print mm-hmm. than it does to go online. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have a marketing background, but I mean, where do you spend most of your time nowadays reading the newspaper or finding your news online and finding things you want to buy online? You know, mm. you go on Amazon or you Google to look for, you know, what car you want. You know, you go find Carfax or whatever. Most of yeah, the purchasing is online. Yeah, I don't get the classifieds to look for cars yeah. anymore or for a job anymore. Or yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to... It's it's just harder to find businesses. You know, it's cheaper them for them to throw something up on Facebook than it is to, you know, buy print space. Um, you know, that's always been my impression. So it's you know, it's it's very much the digital age. I mean, print still has value, but it's not enough to to keep a newsroom staff, you know, of a quality size, functional. Um, you know, journalists are awesome and they're doing the same job with a lot less, but you know, it's definitely, you know, taxing and frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's something I've seen at every single paper I've, you know, every single newsroom I've been in. My first job, within six months, there were layoffs. The only reason I was not let go and another photographer was, was because I could shoot video and she couldn't. She'd been there a year longer than I had. Um, you know, Indiana, same thing. There was restructuring. That's actually what brought me to Utah. Um, my boss was restructured out of the newsroom. He found a job in Utah and then, you know, poached a bunch of us. He asked if we would come. So Mm. I was like, hell yeah, I'd be closer to family and Utah would be cool. My name is Mandisa Thomas and I am the founder and president of Black Nonbelievers Incorporated here in Atlanta, Georgia. You may find us at blacknonbelievers.org. You can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Mandisa Latifa. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. About a bowl of chili. Hot one. Be right there. Antichrist will be a woman in a man's body with seven heads and seven tails. Ain't that to go. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. It seems like the, mm-hmm. the entire print model is just going the way of the dinosaur. Um Actually, yesterday at my father's house, one of the things that he complained about Mm -hmm. is that he and my grandmother try to stay pretty informed. Uh He subscribes to the Tribune. She subscribes to the Ogden. Yeah, I could tell by her Starbucks story. To the, yeah. She's on top of it. <laughs> yeah. But she can't get a goddamn TV guide anymore. She subscribes oh, to the – oh, she used to get that all the time. <laughs> but she subscribes to the Standard Examiner. And my father was complaining because uh, out of the last week, he's mm-hmm. – I, I think it was that he had the paper delivered twice. Yeah. And calls every day to say, you know, my paper wasn't delivered. They say, oh, we're so sorry. We'll yeah. send somebody out with a new paper. And then nobody shows up. And he calls and he waits on hold for a half an hour. And he finally talks to somebody, says, hey, nobody brought out my paper again today. And you said somebody would bring it out yesterday and nobody did. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry that happened. 
we'll, we'll try to get this fixed for you. And he's like, and it's just been this constant struggle. And I've spent hours on the phone trying to get the fucking paper delivered that I'm fucking paying for every fucking week that I don't fucking get. <laughs> and of course he didn't say fucking back in the day he would have, but my grandmother is there and he's LDS now again. So he didn't say fucking, but <laughs> it was, it was heavily implied, <laughs> but yeah. it seems like the, the news agencies really don't even care a whole lot about trying to maintain customers who want a print copy of the paper. And I'm guessing it's because they can sense that paper, like physical paper is it's time is mm -hmm. limited. Okay. I don't know what, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. My thoughts are let's flip the script for a second <laughs> and, right. and say fuck print for a minute. Like, yes, there's a problem, circulation issues and, and getting people their paper. That's just like, yeah, I don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I, I had to deal with too many phone calls from people who, you know, it would, it would bug me too. Like I've gotten, I haven't gotten my paper a couple times. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But what, what, you know, not so much about news agencies trying to fix their shit because again, less people, but less people, less money. What I want to talk about is, <laughs> is, is the public willing to pay for their news. That is a very, especially yeah. online. Yeah. Um, I mean, we would have. I mean, it's like who pays for porn online anymore? Oh my god! Don't get me started. <laughs> Mormons, <Okay>. Utahns, <laughs> true. Yeah, so in Utah, they will pay for newspapers online. You just you threw me off. Now I got everything put up. I was just about to say. I apologize, Ryan. Damn it, Ryan! <laughs> that's, that's what that's he's my here job for. here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so just the American Press Institute has, um, you know, awesome website and they're just a, a journalism organization and you know they bring up that you know not not necessarily a newsroom or you know a news company you can throw a blogger in here but that the definition of a journalist is someone who provides verified information to the public so they can make informed decisions so i'm not going to say that's solely newsrooms that can be anybody that that with you know ethics and you know attention to detail cares about you know, the facts and providing the facts, no matter what their own personal opinion is. Um, but there is a lot of information out there online. Some of it from, you know, newspapers like the post or the standard examiner, Salt Lake Tribune or New York times. And then you have Breitbart or, you know, other, um, more biased, you know, news sources or bloggers pretending to did have say, the news. Did you say biased or honest. Because Breitbart's the the honest reporter, right? Yes. Yeah. Wait, I thought. Uh, uh, no, no, you're no, no, no. This is this is all just bullshit. Okay, I'm, just I'm making just, sure you're yeah. throwing me off again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. God damn it, guys! <laughs> I just kidding. like wait a minute. Did I mix it up? No. Um, you know we 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 are completely like bombarded by information. Um, so I feel like people get so used to be able to go online and through throw a couple words into Google and be able to read something for free that when, you know, they go to say the Salt Lake Tribune's website and get hit with a paywall, they bitch about it. Um, but fucking A, like it's, it's, you know, that paywall is there because people need to fucking eat. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they do this work most of the time without a lot of thanks. Well, um, yeah. Well, and the news doesn't report itself. Yeah. Right. It's people, it's people doing investigative work and 
spending countless hours writing out what they've found. Exactly. You know, so it's it it's the public that will ultimately, you know, whether they know it or not, um, be harmed by this. So, you know, they I feel like we would be better off if there if local journalism was healthier than it is right now because of all these problems, which I don't have the answer to. Um, you know, I'm not good at the maths or, you know, knowing the revenue issues or what, you know, could correct that. But, you know, paying online would be a good start. I mean, hell, I pay, you know, 10 bucks a month for Netflix. I could pay a couple bucks to, you know, read the local news um, or the state news. I I have a subscription to the Washington Post online right now. Um, and I still subscribe to the Standard Examiner because that's my local news source. And mm-hmm. I still know people that work their asses off there. Everyone's there fired. We're not. <laughs> yeah. A- after that, fuck it. But, you know, it's, it's, we got to be willing to, to pay for, you know, the news that we want. I mean, right now, and, and definitely the, the, you know, the media has some shit they need to, to handle. I mean, I was, you, when you told me to talk, come on and talk about the Trump era of mm. news, mm. you know, I don't even want to call it that because the fact is he's been a lot louder about, you know, the evil media. But, you know, the public as early as 2012, that's at least as far back as I double check the numbers. Um, There's a Gallup poll where 60 percent of the country didn't trust the news. 2012, it's, you know, it's. The failing of local newsrooms because of lack of, you know, funding and the ability to do, you know, a good job with what they have because Mm. of the shrinking, you know, newsrooms. And it's, you know, being bombarded by stuff online that um, aren't good sources of information. It's a lot of things. It's, um, you know, newsrooms not understanding how to reach out to their audiences. Um, you know, in the good old day, you would throw the paper down in front of the front door and that's it. You did your job. Nowadays, we have to talk to our communities. We have to reach out to them. You know, we have to know what they care about, what platforms they're using to gather their information and try to get them there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they know what's going on in their local governments, you know, in their schools so that they can speak up and vote and, you know, better their neighborhoods. So it's it's a big responsibility that we are trying to do more often with a lot less. It's just it's there's a lot of things in this like journalistic clusterfuck that's happening in this country right now. But you know, people are doing their best. I don't know. Do you do you think any amount of that is complacency on the part of the the, the papers that they've been kind of the only show in town for? Mm. decades i mean that not that not to say that they aren't putting out quality things some papers are some aren't but but many are but just all of a sudden this boom in competition came up and they had no idea how to handle it how to adapt how to Mm -hmm. what what to do to because they they hadn't been focused on how to attract customers yeah for 50 100 years what, what since they started and all of a sudden now they they have this extremely competitive market that it's like impossible in everybody's hand no it's definitely and and, and it's not their fault i wouldn't say it's their fault because how would they know what was coming up you know but i mean i think 
I don't know. I mean, I think the internet popped up and they're like, oh, this shit's not going to stick around. And they were throwing up their content for free mm-hmm. and thinking they'd be good. And then, you know, it, it <laughs> things blew up. And that's, you know, yeah, I, I think why pay for it when you're just giving it to me for free? I, online? Yeah, that exactly. It. I think they were really, um, you know, hindsight is 2020. Again, I'm hell no business savvy. I'm not business savvy at all. But I definitely think that they were, they were, um, slow on the uptake of how to, you know, take the, the online world and, and, you know, use it as a tool because they're still in that mindset of, yeah, yeah, we'll just throw this up and, and people will, will pay for it or they'll, they'll, you know, buy our newspaper. This is just, you know, the, it wasn't, I can't, I wanted to try to find out when, um, you know, we, we really started to care about what we were putting on the internet as far as like making it interactive and engaging. And I wasn't able to, to research that, you know, before coming here today, but I guarantee it was, it was again, way behind the curb. Oh yeah. Well, and it's, it's rough too, because, you know, if you're running an, if you're running a newspaper, Mm. you're not concerned about every other kind of media out there. And you don't have people working at the newspaper who are tech savvy and computer savvy. You don't have, you know, you know, you don't have a staff of programmers Uh and servers and everything that, that you need in order to really ramp that up and make it a good online thing. And when you see your revenue shrinking, how then are you going to justify? Well, now we need to hire people to get these things to publish our content Mm -hmm. online. Well, we can't really do that because our revenue is shrinking. I think it goes back to what you said earlier. The people need to realize that they have to, they have to support these, these forms of media and information in order to keep them around. Mm-hmm. If they don't support it with their dollar, they're going to go away. And then what will we be left with? <laughs> we'll, we'll be left with the sources of media that are paid for that are bought and paid for by large corporations and by millionaires and billionaires who want to promote their own narrative. It's going to be promoting what the rich fat cats want everybody to hear and think it's not going to talk about the struggles of Mm -hmm. lower class people or middle or middle-class Americans. It's going to be talking about how great America is, Mm -hmm. how wonderful it is to be here, how privileged people are. And you know, that there, there are a few people who are complaining about how things are going, but we shouldn't pay any attention to them because they just want to tear everything down. Anyway, it's we need we need the fourth estate. We need mm-hmm. independent news organizations around as a check on all of these other types of power and corruption. And people don't seem willing to put up the money for that. And I fear that unless that changes soon, it will go yeah. away and then we're going to be fucked. I mean, I was just thinking a little bit ago about the fact that 15 years ago in the fire department. We would be sitting around the table in the morning, passing pieces of the newspaper around, like like four or five guys. Like, hey, I want to read it. Give me this section. Hey, I want to see this section. section. Yeah, Yeah, hand me this section. Now it's just guys on their phone looking at whatever news agency they want to look at in the morning for news, or or on Facebook going, oh, did you see what happened over here? And it's Facebook is their news source. Like I, most of the news I read, it is, it's online, but I also still, like I said, subscribe to the local newspaper. And I think it's puzzles. 
I also read it. I read it and then I do the puzzles. That's that's my happy place. I do the cryptogram and the and the Sudoku after reading the the news section. Okay. After that. But I mean that's, you know, that I, what that makes me think of is just the fact that there are some stories that I might kind of flip over in my morning, you know, scroll on the phone, but when you have it in print in front of you, like you, you have the sidebar and the A1 and, mm-hmm. you know, above the fold and you t- have, tend to skim or stop and look at something more. Yeah. Um, and so I, I mean, I still try to, to read more than what I'm just solely interested in, especially when it comes to what's happening locally. Um, cause I get bored by local politics sometimes, but you know, the <laughs> fact is it's important and you need to know what the hell's going on. And especially when it's coming up to, you know, voting time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, one of the things uh, that I get frustrated by, uh, well, there are a couple things. Let me get this out before I forget again, because <laughs> I keep forgetting. Um, you know, I, I subscribe to the Trib and the New York Times, uh, pay for the, pay to access the digital content. Mm-hmm. And oh, good for you. The, <laughs> and the, the Times, all of their electronic media stuff, is fucking wonderful. It all works really well. It looks good. It plays well on mm-hmm. every device, everything that I go through and, and in order to read articles. And then I log into my account on the Trib on my phone and it's fucking garbage. Mm. Yeah. It is so fucking terrible. It's really fucking frustrating. It, it makes it hard to pay for a service when it's when I, when it's like so acting- difficult to even <laughs> fucking use. Like yeah. I would, I, it, it, has made me want to throw away my phone and have just the paper there. But then I can go out onto their website mm-hmm. on my desktop and it's great. It it's works, just their mobile it works platform. Really well. is- yeah. And, and there's inconsistencies between yeah. the two and it's just, it's really difficult to use on your phone. And that's where most people are consuming. Is yeah. mobile. Their, their, yeah. Like 80% yeah, get pooping. their news on smartphones. Yeah. Because not a lot of people can afford a computer these days and to keep up with that. And, you know, mm-hmm. of course they degrade and, Newer technology comes out and you need newer stuff, but phones, like yeah. almost everybody has a phone and it's almost yeah. always a newer ish phone where they can get that information much more easily. And it's, and it's there with them all the time. So I think the trip should constant. And this is, this is me who has no fucking experience. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> with dealing with journalism, if you're not really concentrating on the mobile audience. You're not doing it right. Yeah. But as a consumer, it's really frustrating. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you more also about mm-hmm. um why you think it is that more news agencies don't state plainly that the president lies about different things mm-hmm. they i watched uh i watched meet the press over the weekend I, I watched my sunday news programs but it was it was kind of it was really fortuitous timing because i had chatted with you and said hey it would be great to have you on to talk about these types of things and then on Meet the Press on Sunday, after I had already talked mm-hmm. to you about this, they had a segment where their panel was discussing what it's like to be a reporter in the age of Trump. And I thought, oh, my God, that's why I've already scheduled Sarah to come on the show and talk about this. Yeah. yeah. And now it's and, and I was just like, wow, that's really weird. So clearly I'm not the only one concerned and thinking about this, but they they were discussing things like why is it that uh, media outlets are reticent to to specifically say the president said this and that's a lie here are the facts what he said is a lie they'll say 
you know, his, his, his statement contradicts what we know to be true or uh-huh. his statement contradicts what he said earlier. Um, that kind of stuff, but they don't ever point it out and say, he said this and now he's saying this. So at one point or another, he mm-hmm. lied here. He's lying to the American public. And there are so many, uh, media outlets that won't just call a spade a spade. Yeah. And that that's very frustrating. Um, one of the panelists said, you know, well, in order to really call something a lie, you have to be able to, you know, a, a lie is something that you do with intent. Yeah. Okay. That you can say something that's not factually accurate. You can misstate something. You can misremember something, things of that nature. But in order to say that something is a lie, you have to say, you know, clearly that this person knew what the facts were and with intent and purpose, they okay. stated something other than what the facts were. Which I, they think lied. I would agree with that. Can definitely be proven with Trump. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> especially when, like, especially when he'll say one thing when later he says, Oh no, what I said earlier wasn't true. I actually did this. Like yeah. the whole, the whole well, letter thing. Yeah. That, that's what I was thinking with his counsel. Like, Oh no, yeah. he dictated the letter, but previously after the letter came, I was like, I had, I don't know who did that. Yeah, well, but first I there think was my son no, wrote it. Yeah. First there was no meeting at all. Then there was a meeting yeah. that was to talk about Russian adoption. Then it was to talk about, uh, Hillary Clinton, but nothing came out of it. Then it was, you know, and there were no Russians. And then it was, Oh yeah, there were Russians. And it was specifically about Hillary Clinton. And now it's, oh no, yeah, that, that is all happening. That is all what happened. And Trump dictated the letter yeah, that went Trump out. Trump basically wrote it. And so there's this steady progression of things mm-hmm. where you know, he knew the whole fucking time yeah. that whether he wrote the letter or not, it, you know, that, that he's now saying that he wrote the letter, right? So all of the previous statements were fucking lies. Yeah. That he, that he lied that whole time. And, that it's really difficult for news organizations to say, Hey, the president just lied about this. And they, and then it's also very frustrating to me when I watch news programs and they don't hold people's feet to the fire. Okay. They'll ask a question and the, the person that they're interviewing, you know, tries to, tries to shimmy out of it. They try to, they try to, you know, wiggle out of the question. They never really answer it. Not with Don Lemon. And then the reporter will rephrase it. Yeah. The person, you know, redirects again. They, and they never get an answer to the question. And that's so frustrating as a consumer and somebody who's watching this media to get information. And I hear reporters asking questions mm-hmm. that are never fucking answered. And then they allow these people to go on these gish gallops of bullshit information. Mm-hmm. That they don't just cut them off, and I've seen. Dumb- Are you thinking like the White House pool? Oh, or? just in but, general. Yeah, uh, it's it's like when I see that you know Steve Bannon is going on. Oh yeah, that he's going to be on the Sunday news programs for the the first Sunday news program he's been on, and we're going to interview him about interview him about all these things, and the reporter just let him go on and yeah. on and on and on, and it was just lie after lie after bullshit lie after spinning different things however he wanted creating his own narrative and it's mm-hmm. like that's that's just so frustrating like but they allow Bannon him has to, a platform of his own yeah. he has breitbart you don't need to invite him onto your yeah. news program for him to spew bullshit unchecked and that's so fucking frustrating and i think a lot of people see that kind of thing and they're like well, why the fuck would i pay for this why why pay for why pay to see somebody telling telling me the same thing that they're saying mm-hmm. on their own shitty bullshit 
completely biased yeah. site that I can go over there and see that kind of bullshit for free if I want. I'm, I'm watching this program in hopes that this reporter will hold this person accountable and actually get some answers out of them. And when they don't, they leave frustrated and pissed off and it's like, well, why would I bother? Does that make sense? Yes. I just went on a little rant there. (laughs) (laughs) How do we, how do we address that? How do you, all of it. And I mean, and I think that's something that has always happened, but it seems to just be getting worse, particularly Uh when the people that the journalists are interviewing now have their own media outlets where they can say whatever Uh the fuck they want. Yeah. And then they bring them on as a guest to ask them about some of that stuff. And they don't ever get answers to it. It's just this person going on there and spewing everything that they say on their own media site. I mean, I can't even. The only thing that makes me think of, which is a little bit different, but remember when our, you know, when POTUS said, was it shithole country? Yeah. And there was this huge debate within news media, within at least the print, you know, newspapers. You know, can can we put shithole in a headline? Are we allowed? <laughs> are we allowed to do that? Because that's we shouldn't do that. But the president said it, and there's this huge debate yes. on whether or not to to put shithole on the front. It's of, like, it's like, like an ethical debate, or just like because censorship. Yeah, because it's 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 a naughty word, and I mean that can that can normally it it's it's depends. Like you find. Is it is it necessary to the story? Does it add to it? Is there a point? But the fact was our. You know, commander in chief called another, you know, the most powerful man in the world shithole. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, isn't that something to hold, you know, accountable to the fact that this is what he said and this is why people are upset? Like, but it was, it was, it was a conversation that, that happened all over the place. I think we ended up using shithole, but it was on the inside of the newspaper because it's, we had more important local shit anyway because we're a small (laughs) newspaper, but you know, bigger, bigger, you know, um, Bigger, Publica- bigger publications yeah. were, were, you know, some did, some didn't, or some thought it was, you know, why'd you even have to do that? That's just, you know, well, what profanity. Exactly. Because he's he's the fucking president and I mean, he said I would, it. I would love but, a copy of the New York Times that just says shithole in big bold letters right across the top of it to hang on the wall. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't. And then a picture of Haiti. Well, but yep. then it's going to be like, you know. Uh, Ogden Standard Examiner, shithole. <laughs> Salt so, Lake Tribune, shithole. Yeah. <laughs> po- point is that I can't speak for like the the TV stations that will that will interview these people, um, and let them you know go go on and on and give them this platform to spew bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. you know, my experiences are with you know interviewing local people or having AP stories where it's, you know, online words and you can cut down the bullshit to simplify what, what the actual information is without giving them like full paragraphs of their rants. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, you know, a local government official doesn't want to respond to an interview question, then you flat out fucking say that we try to get them to talk and they refused, you know, there's, so I'm, and I think that is one of the beauties of print media versus online or or TV, television yeah. media, that kind of stuff, is that you can directly quote people. You can mm-hmm. you can print the words that they said. You can you can so there's no stop mistaking them. it. Yeah, you can just stop them and yeah. say that's not what we're talking about. This is a print article. I want you to answer this question. If you're not going to, that's fine. I'll just say that you didn't want to answer. Yeah. It. So I mean, you can you can stop the the you know, 
like I keep using the, the phrase bullshit, the words bullshit, but I can't think of anything better right now. Stop yawning. But, <laughs> you know, you, yeah, you, you can, you know, boil it down to what is important in, in honest to your audience about this person's point of view without letting them do their whole manifesto, you know, using mm-hmm. your platform to do it. So like, I can't even speak for what it's got to be like for some like TV anchors doing that or if they have i mean like i mentioned earlier 90% of the of media companies are owned by six big corporations so whether mm. that has well, any pull i don't know less now time warner and at&t are now the same company i'd have to imagine that there's some consideration mm. for um getting you know big ticket guests yeah. back if you have them on and just truly expose them and and yeah and put them put their feet to the fire as you say they may never come back and then your job's in jeopardy that you know and yeah. all this, this so there's a matter it's of self-preservation like, where you have to walk this line it's, between it's like, how can you do your job by you know still having access to these people that are that are you know yeah, responsible yeah. for yeah I, yeah tracy brought up that point with me when i was talking to her about it and i said well if if they come on the show and they're just lying anyway, then and then you you hold their feet to the fire and they say they won't come back. What is lost there? Yeah, because they're not telling the truth in the fucking first yeah, place. Yeah, like you don't have access to somebody who's not going to tell you the fucking truth anyway. So what really have you lost, other than perhaps another opportunity to expose that they're lying about things? It, but I, I understand the tightrope walk and that mm-hmm. you know you have to. You have to basically kiss the ring sometimes of people in political power in order to report on the activities that they're doing because they won't give you access to them otherwise. Nah, fuck that. (laughs) Well, that's kind of why I brought up uh, Don Lemon on CNN from the other day where he literally sat there for two minutes going, no, my question is this. Do you want to answer my question? You start saying something else. He goes, no, stop. My question is this. Will you answer the question? He did it like four or five times. Finally, guy said, yes. And he's like. How hard was that? Thank you for answering my question. <laughs> yeah, Let's I think move on. There's there's a there's an ability to be professional um when you're, you know, trying to have a conversation with them and I mean it makes me think of I can't remember what what caused it, but a year or so ago when um Trump said that um uh, I think it was New York Times, Washington Post and CNN weren't allowed into a press briefing or was the press briefing was it one of his it was something a, yeah they were excluded uh, i can't remember exactly yeah. what it was but yeah and i mean you know as far as i know they didn't try to suck up or anything they just you know they they wrote about it they're like this is bullshit um you know i think there can you know again haven't experienced it myself but in my opinion there there can be you know a tightrope walk where um you know, you have to figure out how to do, you know, if you don't have access to to that event, then you can't be there to ask the questions that you want to ask. So it's, it's you know, it's definitely kind of a fucked up tightrope when you're in, you know, that level of coverage. You know, in, in my experience at small newspapers, if we had an issue with, you know, a local department, we would usually sit down, you know, around a table, editors and that group and talk it out. And if it didn't work out, you know, we were pretty straightforward about, well, you know, this is our job. This is why we need to do this. You can cooperate or not, but it would be a lot better for everyone if you cooperated, you know. <laughs> Just relax. This will go much <laughs> easier. <laughs> Basically. 
<laughs> you see that box? <laughs> but it's like when it comes to to national levels, like like what you're talking about, like I don't even fucking know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, it's just one of those things that is really frustrating mm-hmm. as a consumer of news and yeah. somebody. Like I said, I'm I'm kind of a news junkie. Like I mm-hmm. I read the paper, I watch the the news all the time. If I'm watching television, probably ninety percent of the time it's I'm watching some news program. Mm-hmm. Um, and you even watch Fox News from time to time. I do every Sunday, <laughs> every Sunday, and then yeah, whenever there's a story on there that is that I think I should pay attention to. Um, but it's just really frustrating that I spend a lot of time trying to get information and I see, oh, they're going to have this person as a guest. This is going to be great because they'll be answering some questions. Mm -hmm. And then I spend an hour of my day watching somebody spew bullshit on a national platform when they have their own shitty platform that they're spewing the same type of bullshit on anyway. Like it was a complete waste of my time. And it, and it, misinforms the public who they're trying to give better information to. Like it's actively harmful to have Mm -hmm. that person on that program saying that type of shit unchecked. Yeah. And so they shouldn't do that, (laughs) but I I don't know how to communicate that out to everybody or, or, and I wonder if the media sources themselves have have started to think about that and examine it and so when i saw that on meet the press on sunday i was like oh good they're th- they're fucking thinking yeah. about it they're they're actually questioning how they're reporting the news and what they can do better and probably understand that there is this growing sense of frustration and resentment in the consumers of their product that mm-hmm. unless they can change things quickly and figure out how to wade or how to navigate the waters of the swamp and cesspool yeah. that Trump is creating, it's all going to be really bad. And he's just making it worse all the time. And I was happy to see that they are apparently thinking about that. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I, I don't even know what the last story was as far as trying to keep track of how many, and they don't say lies, they say how many um, factual errors has been spouted out inconsistencies inconsistencies you know in his time in office compared to you know obama inconsistencies Mm -hmm. and i mean there's just there's so much shit it's yeah there's so much i think he's already got more than obama had in his whole eight years by by quite a few hundred (laughs) by orders of magnitude yeah yeah. (laughs) It, it literally is quite a few hundred more yeah so i think there's definitely like this Needing to try to stay focused on what matters, like, you know, what's happening right now with immigrant children being torn away from the parents and try not to put any attention on, like, fucking Space Force, um, you know, and that's just the most recent and probably more, you know, contrasty example compared to, like, earlier when, you know, there's similar, yeah, you know, what do we cover issues, you know, and yeah. I don't, I don't, um, I'm glad I'm not in their shoes. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But it's important work that, that definitely needs to be done. But holy fuck, this administration just. I mean, even sometimes when I watch some Fox News stuff, it seems like they're even getting critical of Trump now. Some of them, oh, not, yeah. not all of them. There's a couple of people in there that will seem to be like, 
what the fuck are you doing, Trump? Like, I do not agree with this. Uh, I think they keep a couple people on staff just so they can go, see, we've got this person. That might be true. <laughs> there might be the, I mean, they do it in a softer way than some other news agencies do, but I still see them put those clips. I'm like, oh, wow, there's someone halfway intelligent at Fox News. Yeah. Well, even so, another thing that kind of makes me think about all this is, um, I mean, think of one Trump supporter in your, you know, circle that you maybe you've tried to talk to. Oh, they have shut their mouths by now. They well, the, really, but really, uh, actually, I mean, actually, whenever yeah. you try try to, you know, if you remember, uh, you know, the last time you tried to talk sense or just discuss something with them, and they fucking shut down. So, oh, yeah. you know, I know, like when I mentioned way back that, um, you know, one of the, the responsibilities of newsrooms today is to try to reach out to your audience. Um, so in, in that case, maybe it's like, I could see myself hoping that if I just let this motherfucker keep talking, he'll just hang himself. <laughs> like maybe they'll, <laughs> they'll see that this is ridiculous. I, I don't know that, well, you know, cause it's, it's trying to, to, I mean, definitely not let them spew hate or, or a bull without, you know, calling them on it, but trying to do it in a way that uh, turns on some fucking lights out there. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like have a conversation that, that leads to better understanding that what you're saying isn't accurate. Well, the, the one guy we had at work that would come in praising Trump all the time. Like, see what Trump did for the economy. Hey, see, Trump's getting you more money in your paycheck. Hey, he did this. Trump's awesome. Trump's awesome. I want to suck Trump's dick. <laughs> now he basically doesn't even come to work, and he doesn't engage any conversations about Donald Trump. Well, see, he doesn't but, say no, how great he is anymore. Better. Well, but but so he's not saying those things anymore. That doesn't mean that he's not yeah, thinking. Oh, he's not thinking them because he's the type of guy that lets you know exactly what the fuck he's thinking. It's, and he's shut down. He's not on, talking. Yeah. Well, no, about Trump anymore. He's moved on from Trump. Like, oh, Trump's old fucking news. But we just we need more. But he doesn't like he doesn't like knowing. Fuck! I lost this one. I'm gonna shut up. And if anybody talks to me about Trump, I'm too embarrassed that everybody knows I was supporting him. So let's move on from that conversation and go to this. Well, but I think you're making several assumptions there that I don't know are necessarily safe to make. Like, I know that I. I personally have had conversations with people where I've been a little too strident and they just shut down and decide, okay, well, I'm not going to even have this conversation with them anymore. I'm going to continue thinking whatever the fuck I want and I'm going to continue feeling this way, believing these these certain facts about it. But I know that I just can't have a conversation with this person because it it makes me shut down. (laughs) This this is a guy that will argue with you for five hours, which, which, Mm. which flavor of Lucky Charms is better. But that's not that's no. But that's, that's thing is like wait, there's more than one Lucky Charms. I, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is you see nothing but Lucky Charms. But no, but this, this was this was the guy at work that would come yeah. in and and force you to listen to him talk about how great Trump is all the time, and he's basically stopped fucking doing that. He doesn't turn Fox News on anymore. Does he say that Trump is doing anything wrong? No, or bad. He doesn't say Trump's doing anything bad, but he pretty much has just shut up. Like he won't. Well, even, yeah, but that's my point. Is like. He used to let you know exactly what he thought about it, and now he's not talking. Well, because I think he's embarrassed by it, and he's not the type. He's he's the type of guy like I win, I win. I'm Charlie Sheen. I'm winning. He actually made a T-shirt <laughs> that said that on it. So when he's at a losing point, Tiger's blood, baby. Woo! Yeah, I think he feels if, if he feels he's at a losing point, like oh fuck, this shit I thought was happening isn't fucking happening. So I'm gonna let this. He one sounds run. like Trump a little bit. Yeah. He likes he likes Trump, but now he's shut the fuck up about Trump. Huh. 
can I just want to, what I want is for us to get away from the winning or losing bullshit. Yeah, right. Like yeah. in, ah, uh, like this country is just so divided. I, it needs to progress. Lean, like, <laughs> I don't, I fuck the Democrats and the Republicans. Like I lean left. I can say that now because I'm not a working journalist, but <laughs> like, I just, I wish we were more focused on policies and what they would do to, you know, this country and, uh, you know, the communities in it. Rather than people and the, the, the parties that they, they were so like, it seems just like Republicans and Democrats are so fucking focused in some cases on just winning for their party that, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not everyone. They're, they're, you know, Democratic and Republican leaders trying to make bipartisan deals and they keep getting fucking shot down. And it's just someone with more political things to say jump in at any point in time but you, you can see what well, i'm like, trying to say yeah yeah well it's like we we're talking earlier before the show with uh how they keep blaming the whole immigration thing right now on the democrats yet there has been a couple of bills that have been bipartisan bills that have made their way to to, to trump be like hey this is a bipartisan thing do you agree with this nope fuck that uh-uh because if they're agreeing on something like we talked about last week i'm not winning mm. I'm yeah, not getting I, if they're if they're making an agreement. I'm not getting what I want. So nope, I'm not going to agree to that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's another problem that we've created with the internet age and social mm-hmm. media. That people are more interested in winning a winning a conversation yeah. or an argument than learning whether than wanting to know whether what they believe is true and accurate. Yeah, it's all become dogma. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're they're not interested in finding out what's true anymore. They're interested in being not even right. They're they're just interested in winning an argument. Yeah. They're not interested in being correct in their thinking. They're interested in winning an argument, whether they're using bad logic, bad data, and fallacious arguments in order to do it or not. That's that's their primary goal and interest is to win the argument no matter what. Kind of like my ex-wife, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But but this this – this millennial generation, they get trophies for everything. So everyone's just used to winning. <laughs> oh, shut up. I know you're being silly, but shut up. Uh, well, uh, it's been a delight having you on the show. You're, gonna, you're, you're obviously going to stick around because your ride is sitting right here. Yeah, so. unless she's going to start walking home. Which... <laughs> um, but I, I wanted – we've got some listener feedback I wanted to get to, um, and then uh, we'll we'll move into the Patreon portion. But thank you so much for your insight on all of that. That was – Thank you. That was fabulous and fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, totally. I'm Bryce Barkenagel. Have you ever wondered if Joseph Smith was drugging the early Mormons? Turns out it might be possible when you have a – Fantastic congregation that is witnessing angels floating around in the rafters and think that the temple is on fire and they're running out in the snow and writhing around on the ground naked? Yeah, as it turns out, drugs might be the best explanation. Be sure to check out my Sunstone Symposium presentation on the Joseph Smith Entheogen Theory by punching that into any YouTube browser. And thank you so much for checking that out, and be sure to check out the Naked Mormonism podcast. This is The Godless Revolution. I'm okay with this. Be good, Morty. Be better than me. Oh, the other caller! I'm not okay with this! I am not okay with this! Oh, sweet Jesus, please let me live! Oh my God, I got to, I gotta fix this thing! Please, God in heaven! Please, God, oh Lord, hear my prayers! Yes! F- you, God! Not today, bitch! Please, God, if there's a help, please be merciful to me. 
Yes, I did it! There is no god in your face! One dot, mother Yes! Yes! If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! We got an email from listener Rebecca, and she sent us an email subject line that says Mama Dragons episode. Mm-hmm. And for listener, for longtime listeners of the show, I, I, wanna, I can't remember if that was last year or the year before. I can't remember exactly when it was. Either. It was during one of the Pride festivals, I believe. It was Provo Pride, but I could be mistaken. That's but I, yeah. I, I, in, I was talking to uh, Mama Dragon, or she came over to our booth, and we had a conversation. That then on the show, I ranted and railed about because she didn't understand or know about the church's policy restricting children of gay parents from being baptized and here she is as a mama dragon with with uh, part of an organization that is that is there yeah well well yeah so the mama dragons are there to make lgbtq kids within the mormon church or wherever yeah actually now uh feel safe and loved and like if their their, family kicks them out of the house they'll yeah. Usually have a safe house for people to go to or something I've heard about. Yeah, well and they're they're serving as advocates for children in the LGBTQ yeah. community. And so this woman who was LDS and said that she goes to church and pays her tithing and all of that was also a mama dragon and didn't know about the church's policy or said she didn't know, which to me really really set me off a little bit, really Kind of pissed me off. I'm like, how how do you not hear about it? It was all over the fucking news. Like you well, couldn't yeah. avoid it. When you're when you're a mama dragon who says that you're there to support and protect your kid, and yet you don't fucking know about a policy in your church that you go to every Sunday and yeah. pay tithing to, that is doing real harm to the LGBTQ community and specifically children in the LGBTQ yeah. community. Like it just. How how could you be so fucking ignorant? You're like you're choosing to be blindly ignorant to some of the harms of your church because you can't maintain the two things. Yeah, because that's like news that's like right up her alley. She yeah. should be on top of all yeah. of that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's if, not some obscure thing that's esoteric, has nothing to do with what she's doing. This is right exactly what she's doing. Yeah, she wasn't just an, an LDS church member who stopped by our booth. She's at the Pride Festival as a mama dragon, this organization which is supposed to be working to protect children from this, and she doesn't know about this. Like, that is totally fucking wrong. You, you, that should be illegal or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you're eliminated. That happen. Like, yeah. Yeah. You've lost your membership in this organization. You are the weakest link. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Um, but so Rebecca sent us in an email and it says, just listen to this. I did get quite angry listening to you rant about the mama dragon. When I still believed in the church, I was aware that with, I was aware that with seven children, there was a strong possibility that one is not straight. I started preparing myself mentally, which is sad that she had to do that, right? Like her church indoctrinated her that if you have enough kids, odds are that maybe one of them may not be straight. And then you're going to have to prepare for that because that's a bad thing. Is is that like like Yahtzee? Like, how does she know? Like seven. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean. 
the, just uh, roughly the statistics are one in ten or or so, right? Okay. So, um, so she says, I started preparing myself mentally. I applied the same conflict other members felt about it to me, and I tried to resolve it. Ultimately, I came to a place where I was going to accept my child and their lifestyle and just try to support them in being happy. Well, how big of you? <laughs> I mean, it's great that she arrived yeah. there, but it's sad that it would actually take some struggle for somebody to just say, oh, yeah, you can be gay and that's fine. Yeah. Because or, she's- or, or, hey, this is my fucking kid. I love them. Yeah. 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 When it came to choosing between my child and the church, the question wasn't relevant. Why? Because even if I became disloyal to the church, I could not hide from God or the truth. I could imagine that the church had not a quite accurate stance or that it needed time to come around or that God had a bigger overall plan in pitting the church against queer people that maybe that space you make in disagreement could turn out to be a model for humanity and could show even more and could show even worse homophobes the better way. But <laughs> but then you're still homophobes, right? Like, yeah, sure, there may be worse homophobes, but that's not a stance that you should encourage somebody to have, even if it's that they're a softer homophobe. They're a, yeah. they're a kinder, gentler, or a kinder, gentler homophobe. <laughs> this is the, well, actually, Stalin killed more people in World War II than Hitler <laughs> argument. Um, but the point, the point is that I was on board with my hypothetical gay kids, but I could not, quote, choose, and quote, them over the church. This conflict was the reality. I could not choose them over the church. That God, that's just sad that mm -hmm. people can be that indoctrinated and fearful of being ostracized or losing in, losing out on some promise of an afterlife yeah. or whatever, that they would choose that over their own children. Uh, she says, anyway, something I never expected would happen did happen. I stopped believing. Couldn't anymore. We were basically traumatized by the church, and I could see how it was not true, and I was no longer emotionally attached to believing it was true. The conflict for me as a proxy of the church and my maybe gay kids disappeared. Within six months, two of my teens came out. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. That is that is cool. That they felt comfortable, comfortable with yeah. you at, mm -hmm. at that point. Okay, mom is no longer a believing Mormon. Now I can be comfortable and come out to her because I know she's not going to disown me because of who I am. I don't yeah. have to keep this, this secret from her anymore. I don't have to hide who I am and lie to my mother from fear that she would disown me or kick me out of the house. And that's the reason why the Mama Dragons group kind of exists in Utah because yeah, kids come out yeah. and are like, well, you're, you're out. <laughs> I just... Get the kids the help so, they need. But it's just so sad that her kids lived for so long hiding this from her, yeah. having to hide it from her, and feeling fear of her ever finding out and the and the potential consequences. Yeah, while she tried to decide which was more important, her church or her children. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she says, of course it's all bullshit. Of course these men in, in Salt Lake City have no real power over me. But damn it, I didn't know that. And the power I did have in my life and in my community and family was very tightly centered around my identity as a woman and my work as a mother. Because that's what the LDS church stresses all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, women have so little power, even in the imaginary power of Mormonism. No man answers to us. We're not included in the core leadership, be it local or churchwide. 
and we're supposed to be happy doing a very specific job our whole lives. Help me to our husbands and mom. Or help me to our husbands and mom yeah. of, of the family, I would imagine. So I can tell you that for some women in the church, just openly saying your support, you support your gay kid is a huge leveling up from following the party line from your little impotent niche in the hierarchy. And that's good. I, but it shouldn't have to be that. And it, it, it's troubling that there are so many people within the church who still feel that fear of losing out on an afterlife or losing out on their yeah. religious community or being kicked out of the church. And that they would choose to follow that fear than the love for their children. And that's, that's one of the harms that I see with religion all the time that I get messages about from people for years and years now. I've read stories from kids who were kicked out of their homes when they came out as yeah. gay or their parents have disowned them. They're, they're ostracized from their parents because they finally, after leaving their home, you know, leaving their parents' home and living on their own, had the courage to come out to their parents, and their parents have dis have since yeah, disowned, disowned them. them. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Her email continues and says, "Indoctrination sucks. I'm still mad, mad like you guys. But if you haven't been born into belief, or if it's been a while, and if you're not quite familiar with the very sparse ways women leverage power in Mormonism, maybe this note could remind you or help. Uh, and because she's new to listening to mm -hmm. stuff and isn't." Hasn't listened to many episodes or whatever. She says, disclaimer, this was my first episode to hear of yours. So obviously more context might show there's no need for the note. But I do appreciate your podcast and I'm looking forward to more. Now on to the one with Mithrin. Warm regards, Rebecca. In Alsace, France? Is that how you say that? Alsace? Alsace! I don't, it's not uh, no. Italian, so. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she finishes with a PS. I joined the Mama Dragons after my teens came out, which was after I stopped believing. So good. I'm, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. I'm glad that you chose to love and support your children over fear of losing out on an unfulfilled and unverifiable promise of reward in an afterlife that won't come to be. Yeah. And I, and I think I like it as you did at the top of this subject, it's not the mama dragons you were mad at. It was that one particular person that was in the mama dragons had right. zero clue what her own church was doing to families with homosexual kids or, or a parent. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, the big deal. They should know that shit. <laughs> and as a concept, the Mama Dragons sounds fantastic. And yeah. I, I would totally yeah. get behind it. And and you said it, it's, you know, I wasn't mad at Mama Dragons necessarily. And I wasn't mad at the organization necessarily. But I do think that there should be some things that they need to talk about <laughs> with, yeah. with the people who are representing them as Mama Dragons. Like, did you know that this is going on in the LDS church? I don't. I don't understand how, as a mama dragon, this woman could have not known that. You would think that even if she didn't know that personally herself and didn't didn't take the time to find that out someone, about her someone own church, in her circle would someone, have. Well, that that one of the mama dragon that this yeah. would have been the talk among the other mama <laughs> dragons, right? Hey, this yeah. started as an LDS thing. Many of us are either currently or former LDS people, LDS women, LDS yeah. mothers. We should talk about this. This is something that they should have been talking about. Maybe they were, and this woman that talked to me at the Pride Festival just completely lied about everything. I don't know, but I'm I'm going by what she told me yeah. was the case. So, 
so I, I hadn't actually given it much thought until this email, but yeah, I guess I am even kind of mad at the Mama Dragons as an organization because apparently they were not communicating this very, very important bit of news and history of the church that is the predominant faith here throughout the state. Yeah. And that's a failing on their part. And it if wasn't that, like it if happened. If that is what happened. That day that it had been an ongoing thing for a while. So she had time to see it in the news and. Well, it had been, it had been, oh, it had been a, a new year? policy for a while. Yeah. yeah. At least a year. Yeah. And she didn't know or said she didn't know. Well, that'll wrap it up for us this evening. Uh, if you like what we're doing and would like to, like to, like to give us some, some, some praise some pennies. out on oh. the internets, that would be awesome. You can like the show where you find it throughout uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. Podbean. Yeah, we're we're on every Even platform. A- but if you would please rate the show five stars, that would be hugely beneficial. We would appreciate that very much. You can also become a Patreon patron, where you can contribute as little as one dollar per episode to get extended episodes and bonus episodes every now and then, and other fun stuff and. Just to support the show and keep it going, help us pay for costs of hosting and equipment and pizza yeah. and beer. <laughs> <laughs> pizza and beer is the important part. And and all of the time that we put into the show in recording and producing and editing and posting and communicating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. How, I just got to say real quick. Huh. The two skeptical chaps are getting way too posh. Oh, yeah? They got an editor now. Oh. Uh. Well, they can't waste time with that menial task. <laughs> I know they got they got servants. <laughs> Aren't you still Doing working their bidding. for them? Well, they haven't paid me yet. Okay. Well, that's right. And, you're a double agent. <laughs> you know what's funny about that too is the they put out one show a month and it's like a half hour long. So, like, what the hell? What do they even need help editing with? <laughs> I recorded that video to help them with the editing. Come well, on. Spike has been on vacation quite a bit again. Uh, he was in what Russia, and then he was in France. Life is hard, man. <laughs> uh, but I want to make sure that we also thank our existing Patreon members. That would be Vanessa, Michelle Short, Christy Kalbach, Newmania, Alan Fur, Larry Wilson, Two Skeptical Chaps, Let the Meat Kofefe, Stephen Andrus, The Foz, Janet Uter, Jeff Peterson, Marius Kot Butrakowski, Utah Outcasts. Megan Kennedy, Andrew Vodapich, Grandy Hamrick, Jeremy Goodson, Angelica Pearson, Wesley Aaron, Savita Kuna, Purple Dragon, and Taylor Grin. Thank you all very much. I really appreciate it. Many of you who are our patrons have been patrons for a very, very long time. Yeah. I want to, I want to thank you, especially even more. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so much. And so, until next week, crucify Steve Bannon. Leave a review for good news. And rate the show five times a day toward Breitbart.
What of the pious, the pure of heart, the peaceful? What of the meek, the mourning, and the merciful? One of their options kind of looked like little tiger stripes in, the, in their digi camis. Yeah, it but was they didn't really go with cute. that. It was it, so it was, adorable. Though. It was like a 1970s di- uh, tiger like stripe. Little, little army tiger is bouncing around. Because <laughs> they're bouncy, 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 bouncy. <laughs> I told Lamar to go run. fishing out there and he well, you, caught his first wiper on Willard Bay. Well, you pooped my cherry? Popped. Well, but things might matter. It does say pooped. <laughs> it does say pooped. He probably meant to say popped. I didn't write it, but he. You didn't ask him about it. I'm so I, pooped, no. I pooped your cherry because I just saw it really quick, and I just saw that. And, and like... <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, I guess he pooped my cherry. <laughs> I told him not to eat it whole. Oh my god! What the? <laughs> it's a tricky dick. Just, just hold on. <laughs> this is the first penis I've ever wanted to frame. This is beautiful. It's like, look at it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't get to see it yet. It's got a fucking uh, monocle. Uh, we were just talking about your penis enough. <laughs>
<laughs> and I was like, that's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, you got an awesome penis. Oh, thanks. So does Tricky Dick always just sit down for uh, doing his magic or does he come to attention once in a while? He's kind of at attention, isn't he? I don't know. He looks quite wrinkly. He's pretty wrinkly. He's kind of a pug penis.